Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And welcome to America's Heroes Group. We're going to be doing a show called Historically Speaking with Kirkland Burke. Today is Saturday, June 24th, 2023. June is LGBTQ and PTSD Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly, heard at the top of the hour. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host or executive producer with Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a partner with us, Kirkland Burke. He's a U.S. Navy veteran and military historian. But we want to talk about something very unique. What do we really know about Juneteenth? What is Juneteenth all about? What do we know? And what is actually historical fact? So how are you doing today, Mr. Burke? Oh, I'm doing great. I hope you're doing the same. Really good, really good. So tell us, you wanted kind of to talk about some things about Juneteenth. We just celebrated that recently, June 19th, the day that most of, most of us kind of now know about what it really meant for people who were enslaved to be finally free, particularly when there's no Twitter, no Facebook, no social media. News is traveling pretty slow by horse and pony, maybe by telegraph, and trying to get that information out to the masses in the time around 1865. So tell us about that. But first, before you go into that, I'm curious, in your research, what do people really think Juneteenth is all about? Uh, Well, from what they have been told the last couple of years, uh, people think it was the end of, they think it's anything from the end of slavery in the United States and the end of the Civil War. Okay. And that it was a, 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 a national jubilation day. Uh, neither, none, none of those are correct. Hmm. So when people, so how, how, how much do people really know today? Because I, I would imagine that in some places, and I grew up as a kid, June, the Juneteenth story was told over and over and over again. I heard it for since I was a, since I was knee high, and so it was always something in the back of my mind. But I never saw, I never thought one day I'd wake up and it would actually be a national holiday. You must be from Texas, <laughs> from Maryland. So, so well, then where I grew up in the East Coast in Maryland, all those Civil War. Uh, sites, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, all these places are real places to me. These are places I drove past, you know, going to vac- on vacation or just go traveling to see family members or whatever. These are areas, these battlefields in Virginia and Maryland and Pennsylvania, those are real places to me. That's what we saw as, on field trips as a kid. So in black, so black, that, in black culture in my area, my neck of the woods in the United States, those were stories that were told over and over and over again. But I was curious, though, like when you, from your research, do people – how do people receive Juneteenth around the United States now that it's a new holiday? I never heard of Juneteenth until the 1970s uh, when I was in Milwaukee. And uh, 
when I first heard it, heard about it. And this had to be like around maybe 1973, 74. And uh, later I was told they had, they had started celebrating it around in 1968, somewhere around in there. And I know uh, Denver also uh, uh, used to have a big celebration for it. Other than that, I didn't know anywhere where it was observed other than uh, in Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just to clear up some things right away, Juneteenth was not the end of slavery in the United States, and it was not the end of the Civil War. The 13th Amendment is what ended slavery in the United States. Thank you. Uh, Not the Emancipation Proclamation. Thank you. Which, uh, to tell you, just to put it simply out there, the Emancipation Proclamation didn't free anybody. Mm-hmm. It uh, it only, according to the proclamation, it only had effect on the states that were in rebellion. The problem is those states had left the Union, formed the Confederate States of America, so Lincoln had no jurisdiction over them. Mm-hmm. So the proclamation really had no teeth. Uh, they, it couldn't be enforced. The only way it could be any enforcement of it was as the Union Army marched south. And as the Union Army would go, go through an area, that was how the slaves got freed. Uh, and they would, and remember this, they were not citizens. Mm-hmm. Right. They were referred to by the Union troops as contrabands of war. Mm-hmm. They were Africans. Now, uh, we're actually with Juneteenth. We're actually celebrating an event that occurred with people who were not Americans, and it occurred in another country other than America. Texas was not part of the Union in 1865. Mm-hmm. Texas was not admit readmitted back into the Union until March 30th of 1870. Wow. So from what I remember as a child growing up, the story was always told to me, you know, when people talk about the Civil War, talk about the past, or there was a history lesson that came up and somebody would just uh, comment, well, you know, you know, a lot of slaves weren't really freed until after the Civil War was way over with. I heard stories that years went by before certain, but some people were actually liberated from their captors, liberated from the plantations where they, where they were working on for free. Well, that, that may have, you know, our stories get told and added to over time. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, again, referred to the states in rebellion. Mm-hmm. That meant that the border states, and by border states, I mean the border between the North and the South, not, not at the border of Mexico, those states that did not secede from the Union, Maryland, your state, mm-hmm. Missouri, yep. uh, what was it, uh, Kentucky, Kentucky, and Delaware. Del- Delaware, yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. remained slaves there until the 13th Amendment was ratified. All right, so it's what brings to the point. So actually, when we think of uh, the end of the Civil War or the, or the Emancipation Proclamation ending slavery, reality was even after the Civil War was technically over, slavery still existed in the North, in Delaware and Kentucky, the last two states to get rid of slavery, which were northern states that were union states. All right, and, and also uh, when... We were always taught in school that uh, the war ended when Lee surrendered at Appomattox. That is not true. Uh, Lee only surrendered the troops under his command, which was the Northern Army of Virginia. 
that's who he that's what he surrendered at Appomattox. Hmm. And they, you know, they have a, well, I think the general thinking is that ended the war, which, which it didn't. It was, it was still going on, uh, actually, not until 16 months after Appomattox, August 20th, 1866, did President Johnson formally declare an end to the war. Mm-hmm. So over time, we get, we get myths a little reality and a little yeast gets thrown into things and uh, suddenly you have you know what we have and even when you try today and and tell people some I found this out uh, I'm trying to think of that quote from the movie Liberty Violence at the end the guy said he wasn't going to print the true story and it was basically what he said was if the myth sounds better than the truth, print the myth. Mm. And that's kind of where we are right now. It sounds uh, prettier. It sounds like a, it's a prettier romantic story to, to show that. And also it sets right. up this this like, dichotomy, which we think about it carries on in even in future conflicts after the Civil War, that there is a good side and a bad side. The good guys yeah. and the bad guys. There's no shades of gray. It's black and white. The bad guys lost. The good guys won. Everybody should be happy. But the reality was, there was a lot of there was a lot of bad in the North going on at the same time. Okay, and uh, I, I even heard someone last week on, on the radio, and they were saying that, oh, after Juneteenth, the people uh, left right away, and they were wandering trying to find their family. Well, if you actually read the general order uh, that General Granger posted. Uh, they, he told them basically, stay where you are, negotiate with your former masters' uh, wages. Uh, there was no jubilation going on. He told them that no idleness would not be tolerated. Mm. Um, neither uh, around in the, in the town of Galveston, nor could they come out to the military base. Wow. So, and, and that stay and negotiate wages. Uh, and, and this is just my take on this. This kind of eased you into what eventually became sharecropping. Yeah. And also the Jim Crow facto, South. That was de facto slavery. Yeah, exactly. And that gave birth to Jim Crow South. And now you have that whole legacy where people are being arrested because they were they looked like they were vagrant when they were just walking down the street. If they didn't have someone white to report to, they could be arrested and put back into servitude. Right. And, and we get... Uh, I like uh, I like how Mama D, who calls in frequently, she always says, get the language right, mm-hmm. and how they say uh, the Great Migration. I think of it more as the Great Escape. Right. <laughs> because that's what a lot of people would do, especially if you were a sharecropper. You couldn't go tell the landowner that you were packing up and leaving. Right. You had to leave under under cover of darkness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's where some of the... Uh, uh, Pullman porters came in in certain areas. They got the train to stop outside of town. Now you couldn't you couldn't go wait at the train station and board the train. They picked people up out on the uh, on the train track outside of town. Wow! They were escaping the South. They weren't they weren't migrating uh, like like they got you thinking. It was like oh. Coming through Ellis Island and that whole thing, a lot of those people had to escape 
where they were. And I think that's why it's so important to, to, to know your history. That's one thing I guess I could be blessed by having that history around me all the time because those, those sites are – I can still see them to this day going to the, the original places. I saw Benjamin Franklin's bed. I've seen Gettysburg's battlefield. I've seen all these things because they were in my backyard. But then the stories that come around through those 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 monuments, if you will, to remind you of what, you know, what your, your ancestors had to go through to get to where they are today. You know, so, yeah, the, all the struggles and the hardships of just trying to survive. I mean, people, from what I understand, people actually during the Civil War and even after the Civil War fled to Texas which is where Granger went to, I guess, to, according from what the, the stories are told, the, the hearsay stories are told, that's where the last, those were the last people to be freed after the Civil War. But people, slaveholders actually fled to Texas because Texas, like you mentioned, had the ability to not really abide by the U.S. law because it wasn't really part of the country. So they were going to Texas to try to keep their slaves. No, no, te- Texas was a state at that time. Okay. But the, re- the reason they were in Texas, uh, some of the, some of the, uh, Slaveholders, as they realized the Union Army was coming south, some fled to Texas with their slaves. The reason they went there is they were trying to get away from the Union Army. Mm. As you know, being from Maryland, most of the battles were fought along the East Coast and then coming down through what we call the Deep South. Mm-hmm. The, the Confederates had gotten as far north as Pennsylvania. That's where Gettysburg was. That's as far north as they got. The Union Army didn't start winning the war until after Gettysburg. Gettysburg was was the turning point of the war. Mm. Uh, it was it was it was kind of like World War II in the Pacific. The uh, 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 what? Oh my goodness! Uh, I think there was the Battle of Midway. Battle of Midway is what okay. changed the course of the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, also keep in mind the map of the United States back then did not look like it does now, the one we're familiar with. Texas was a much bigger area, the Texas Territory. We remember there was no Oklahoma. New Mexico was a territory. Uh, uh, Kansas wasn't a state. And part of of what we know now as Texas was going all the way up uh, into what's now Colorado. It Mm -hmm. was a huge area. So there, there really was no Union Army there to, you know, to, to uh, enforce the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. So as, as the Army was moving, that's how people got freed. Uh, Texas was the farthest place uh, west. So that's why they, they got, it's not, in that whole concept of, oh, uh, they were slaves two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Well, I got news for you. So were the slaves at Appomattox. Mm-hmm. They didn't get freed until 1865 when Lee surrendered the troops there. So, so they make a big deal out of making it seem like everybody else was free and they weren't. Yeah. Which, is, which is not true. You got freed as the Union Army marched. Sherman's march to the sea. Uh, you had uh, Ambrose Burnside and all of them coming down from the from the north coming through and and this is how the people uh, got their freedom and the reason they they had to resort to getting so many black troops when lincoln signed the emancipation proclamation there were mass desertions from the union army 
a lot of those soldiers said they were fighting to 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 keep the union together, not to free the slaves. Wow. Wow. And uh, and they that's when they got the uh, the, the the what they call the colored troops. Mm-hmm. If if you go to Arlington National Cemetery, you'll see on some there's a whole area there where the gravestones have uh, a, a seat. It's it's a U.S. I think it's USCT or something. It's, it's United States Colored Troops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those those were the the uh, the contraband. Uh, well, contrabands of war who they allowed to enlist into the military. Yeah, because you have to understand the contraband is still considered property. Right. And uh, 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 they were were instrumental at that point in filling the ranks from the people that deserted. Wow. So I never thought of it from that perspective. But I always did look at it from a perspective, and this in typical war, and, and, and typically with civil wars, and even reminds me of what's going on in Ukraine right now when we look at the conflict there and how that's gotten messy. Civil wars are very, very messy. And the and, reasons that civil, civil war, we, America lost more people in the civil war than every other war we were in combined. Mm-hmm. Like 600,000 people? Right. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a, a, a bloody war that was unlike any other war up to that point uh, and that uh, military people from Europe actually came over to observe the battles to to learn battle tactics what to do and what not to do mm. uh, trench warfare was was created during the, the American Civil War wow. which became uh, so important in World War one that's where they got it from and uh-huh. and the reason it was, it was so deadly, uh, the cannons. You know, now you had heavy field artillery, and those cannons wreaked havoc on the way they fought. You know, they would be in the line, the skirmish line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they didn't have repeating rifles. So you fired your, your weapon, and then the next line behind you stepped forward, and while they were firing, you were reloading. Mm-hmm. Well, if I've got ca- a line of cannons, you are sit- you just a sitting duck. Yeah, there's no such thing as taking cover. <laughs> right, and, <laughs> and most injuries, cover. if you got injured, uh, concealment. the general thing was they you got shot in the arm, they cut your arm off. Yeah, amputations were like just crazy. Right. I was thinking like the, this, the, how, how um, I guess you want, I can't say you think, think of any of those to call it, but barbaric, how hospitals were it's in the field with no sanitation you have flies everywhere it's it's 100 degrees in the shade some places and somebody's cutting off your leg with a saw they learned that through war you can you can improve uh, uh, medicine especially surgery Uh, a lot of the inventions and things that we have uh, now in medicine and even not in medicine came from the uh, battlefield uh, surgeries Mm. Uh, one thing that came out of uh, World War World War One was uh, feminine napkins. Wow, that was developed from what uh, something that a doctor was using to, to get the blood uh, from the wounds. How they would impact the blood, the, the wound with the cotton, and that was what led to uh, feminine napkins. I wanted I wanted to ask you one last question, but we're running out of, on a time. 
I really appreciate you for coming on the show and kind of giving us information, information about this. Um, if you come back, if you're able to come back and, and bless us with your with your stories again, the question I would ask you is to really understand, like, how do you think Juneteenth as a holiday will change our perception of history um, and also change relations of race relations here in America? Because we have a holiday that's, that's going to be celebrated by hopefully everybody. I, I think the only thing that will that will change it because you know there's there's a lot of there, there's a lot of people that were saying you know negative things about it. They didn't they don't think it's like a holiday that everybody should observe, but it 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 is it is now a national holiday and it affected the nation uh, so much so. And, and let me get this in uh, uh, technically, the descendants of enslaved Africans didn't obtain nationally recognized citizenship until the mid-1970s. That's correct. The states that didn't ratify the 14th Amendment until the 20th century were Delaware, 1901, Maryland, 1959, California, 1959, Kentucky, 1976. Ohio didn't ratify it until September 17th of 2003. Kirkland Burke, U.S. Navy veteran and military historian, thank you for your time. Okay, you're welcome. America's Heroes Group, we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.